Brothers and sisters, I bring you greetings from your brothers and sisters in Christ who live in Jerusalem and throughout the Holy Land. I also bring you greetings from Sabil, Palestinian Liberation Theology Center that is committed to the work of justice, peace, and liberation for all the people of Palestine and Israel. I'm thankful to Father Gill for inviting me, and it's good to be with you this morning. The letter that we read, the epistle that we read this morning, written by St. Paul to the church at Philippi. Sometimes we say Philippi. It's Philippi in Greece. And it seems when we read the letter, it's very clear that Paul loved that community in Philippi. And it seems, again, from the reading of the epistle, that the church in Philippi loved him and were very supportive of his ministry. We know from the book of Acts that Paul was imprisoned in Philippi. He and his companion Silas were there in the prison. Although they were shackled, they were singing songs during the night. An earthquake took place and caused the doors of the prison to be opened. And when the jailer walked up, walked up and saw the doors open, he assumed that the prisoners had escaped. And so he was about to kill himself. Paul shouted from the prison, don't kill yourself, we're all here. This led the jailer to open his heart to the gospel and to turn in faith to Christ. Not only him, but all the members of his family. This is one of the most beautiful stories we find in the book of Acts. A few years ago, I visited Philippi with my brother and one of my many nieces. While standing at its ruins, we read Paul's letter to the Philippians. We saw the ruins of the jail where this story in the book of Acts had taken place. We spent time reflecting on the text. We also read chapter 16 of Acts, when, which mentions the visit of Paul to Philippi. What drew my attention is that on the Sabbath day, Paul and Silas went outside the gate 
of the city, and they stood or at the river, there was a river there, where Lydia, one of the women of Philippi, had become a Christian, and they worshiped together there. And Lydia then invited them to her home. It's a beautiful story. So, sure enough, I asked, where is the river? We were at the ruins, we saw all the ruins, we visited there, but I did not see the river. So we checked, and they told us, yes, the river is still there. They gave us directions, and we went, and we got to the river. I was so happy, it was Sunday morning for us, and I just wanted uh, to say some prayers, you know, it's Sunday after all, Well, when we got to the river, we found a group of Italian tourists there with their priest. And they were about to start the mass. My niece speaks fluent French. So she did not know Italian, but she went to the priest and introduced us to him. When the priest found out that I'm an Anglican priest from Jerusalem, he was very excited and welcoming. So he insisted that I can I speak to the group. So I spoke and one of the people there translated into Italian. And then he asked me to come celebrate mass with him and I couldn't believe it because I know many priests many Catholic priests were very close and my, my image of Italian Catholicism or Catholics is that they're very conservative but this priest was open we had a wonderful communion service we took communion and we visited longer It was an amazing experience that I will never forget. Paul, writing to a small community of Christians in Philippi, urging them to be a light shining in the darkness. He was asking them to be committed to what is true and honorable, and just, and pure, as we heard in the reading. These are qualities of life that every Christian should have, and should nourish, and cultivate, not only in the community of faith, but outside the community of faith, in our relationship with people on the outside. In the early church, it became known about the Christians, how they loved each other. Look how they love one another. It's a wonderful thing to be said about any community. 
Furthermore, Paul is saying that we need to think about whatever is pleasing, commendable, of excellence, worthy of praise, following the footsteps of Jesus Christ. It takes a lifetime to nourish and nurture these qualities in us. They are goals that we pray for and seek to achieve by the power of the Holy Spirit. Every time I read these wonderful words, I'm inspired by the first three words. They jump at me. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, think about these things. I come from a country where millions of our people are working for the end of the illegal Israeli occupation of our country, Palestine. Because truth, we work for justice and truth. Because truth can lead us to justice. Justice can lead us to peace. And the best peace is the one that can endure. And in order for peace to endure, it must be based on justice and not on military might or military force. It's important to point out, my friends, that in our Book of Common Prayer, there are six forms of the prayers of the people. In every one of them, we are asked to pray for justice and peace. Some people in our churches think that when you talk about justice, you are talking politics. I believe that truth, justice, and peace are the business of the church. Justice and peace constitute part of the essence of our ministry. The great prophets of the Old Testament emphasize truth and justice. They did not view life in different compartments. They saw it holistically. Life in all its aspects ought to be lived under the justice and mercy of God. The prophet Amos used to live in the country, outside the city. He compared justice to a stream of running water. The streams in Palestine are dependent on rain during the rainy season. When the rain stops, the streams are dry. For Amos, justice cannot be intermittent, spora spor sporadic, irregular, like a stream 
whose water had dried up. Justice must be continuous, ever-flowing, reliable all the time. So Amos cried out, let justice run like water and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Isn't this a beautiful image of justice? On the other hand, the prophet Micah lived in the city. He was from Jerusalem. He was familiar with life in the city, the laws, the regulations of the government, of the king who lived there. In his view of justice comes from his own experience. So he asks the people around him, what does God require of us? He says, you know, God requires of us to do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly with God. He did not say love justice. He said do justice, love mercy. So we talk about justice with mercy. This emphasis on justice runs through the Old Testament and the New Testament. So Paul says to his friends, whatever is true, truth, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, think about these things. Thinking is not only about remembering, thinking about practicing. Make it the practice of your everyday life to do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly with God. It must be our concern. We must be involved in the work of truth and justice so that peace can be accomplished. The work of justice and peace constitute the main bulk of our ministry. The conflict between Israel and the Palestinians is over 70 years old. It's time to find a resolution. We long for truth to triumph. We long for justice to be achieved. We long for a peace for all the people of our land. Our goal is to see the implementation of justice with mercy as defined by international law and UN resolutions. We must accept that our country belongs to both the Palestinians and the Israelis. We must share the land. We must live together in the land. Neither of us will disappear. I have always maintained that the best solution is a one democratic state for all the people of the land. Democracy for all, all living under the same rule of law. But we also can accept a two-state solution, two sovereign states, 
living side by side with one another, that's also is acceptable to us. Justice and truth in accordance with international law is what we are looking for. Such a solution will satisfy the demands of an acceptable justice. And I believe it can produce a peace that can endure. It is not perfect. It's not perfect justice. But it is a justice that we can live under for all our people. The Apostle Paul, long ago, writing to the Church of Philippi, said, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, think about these things, practice them. Brothers and sisters, I ask for your prayers for Palestinians, for Israelis, for Jews, for Muslims, for Christians. And I pray that you will do everything you can to see that the United States is taking, standing for justice, standing for fairness, and supporting the oppressed people of our land, the Palestinian people, and helping them to achieve justice so that we can live in peace. And this is our prayer as we work for liberation. So pray for us. Come to visit if you have not been there. It will change your life. And may God, of the God of peace, be with us and bless us. Amen.